This isn't just a review. We're going beyond that. With your hosts, Dallin and Kyler, we're here to share the moments, magic, and memories that make films so special. Many focus only on what there is to hate, but if you look a little deeper, there's so much more to love. We hope the time we've taken brings just a little bit more joy into the movies that you watch and the world around them. Clearly, clearly, yeah, clearly, we're brilliant. Sure, um, upper echelons of IQ and and it, anyway. Um, <laughs> what would you say is your biggest brain moment? Uh, like d- define define like 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 when I think I was the smartest. I guess, yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Nothing's coming to me right now. <laughs> like <laughs> you see, asking this question, yeah. Um, I I understand that. Uh, I also don't know what I would say right. to the to this question, I, because I, I don't know. I just, I, I guess I don't really perceive myself as like super smart all the time. Right. Although, I guess this isn't like necessarily my biggest brain moment. But one of the things that does does make me like happy yeah. is when I do something for school that's like really complicated, and it starts to just all work. Right. Like, uh, I have a deductive reasoning class that I'm taking, and we have to learn all these stupid, like, proofs and, like, turning arguments into these, like, algorithms and learning how to convert them into different things and getting to a a solution. And, like, this most recent assignment I did, I was getting to the point where I was looking at one little, like, equation, pretty much, Mm -hmm. and seeing this ending equation and being like, I know how to get there. Without writing anything else down, right? And I'm just like, oh, yeah. it started to freak me out a little bit. <laughs> you know, I get, I, I guess for me, you know, I like you said, I don't think I would classify it as like my biggest brain moment or anything. But like, whenever I'm at like work or something, and mm-hmm. like I see people struggling with something or, or whatever, and and I, I look at it, I'm like, oh, I know how to fix that, and I just go like a lot of the times, like I don't really think about, it, so I just go up and fix it without really even asking or just say yeah. like I just go up and do it and like walk away, and they're all like, what? Yeah. <laughs> and, I'm like, and I'm like, what? You guys didn't come to that conclusion? You does, know, like <laughs> does your brain work the way mine does? Where ADHD uh, brain? Yes. Well, I mean, yeah, <laughs> but in this specific circumstance where it's like you're you're looking at something and you don't know how to do it, it frustrates you, so you just like start taking the thing apart, mm. and then once you do that, you're like, I know how this works, so I now know how to use it and how it functions and like how to fix it. When I was younger, I did that with pens a lot. Yeah. Like like I yeah um, yeah like when you like unscrew the tip of your pen, you pull out the the spring <laughs> and the little like ink thing and the, the, yeah. you take it all apart and you put it all back together. <laughs> I once had like a set of pens and I would take them apart and use the different parts to see if they would fit and see if like I could put different parts in one pen, yeah. why one would yeah, so I mean that part of that probably is ADHD. But <laughs> this is still part of a tangent. But this reminded me, um, for a long time, Allie didn't know that Minesweeper had rules. Oh. She thought you just guessed. She had no idea what the numbers were for. And I explained oh, it to her one time. Yeah, the flags and the numbers yeah. that tell you how many mines are touching that space. Yeah. It's just like she just guessed, and and then one time I was like, I, I would just like mindlessly do Minesweeper because I was like yeah. just wasting time, and it was like I, I got to the point where I could do them in like fifteen seconds, mm-hmm. 
which probably isn't that impressive when you really think about it, but I thought it was kind of cool. And she was watching me do it. She's like, holy crap, how do you do that fast? And I was like, I mean, I just sort of started explaining it. She's like, that game has rules? Like, what? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, once you understand how it works, it's not that difficult. Yeah. Every once in a while you get to a spot where you got to guess between two spaces, but like, right. other than that. See, to be fair, it's like, you have the flags. I never use the flags, really. But like, that's just yeah. my personal thing, because you don't necessarily need the flags. Yeah, you don't. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, it took me a while to, like, because it was one of those, you know, on the computer, it's one of those games, yeah. it's just there. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I think when I was young, I thought it was just you guess, but then I was like, what do these numbers mean? <laughs> yeah, you started to, like, figure it out. Yeah. Now, Solitaire, I have no idea how Solitaire works. Really? No, I've never played it. No. Although my mom plays it constantly. <laughs> <laughs> she always has a little solid, like, the Windows 95, or, was it 95? Probably. I think so. But like the, with like the the like blue background and like kind of like bubbly thing oh, in the yeah, window, yeah. like she had that always open. She's always playing that. <laughs> anyway, why are we talking about being big brain? Because we are watching Sherlock Holmes. Yes, indeed, we are. Uh, Sherlock Holmes came out in two thousand nine. It is rated PG thirteen. It stars Robert Downey Jr., Jude Law, Rachel McAdams, and Mark Strong, and it's directed by Guy Ritchie. Yeah. I think this, this is our, our third Guy Ritchie third film. Third Guy Ritchie film. Yeah. We did uh, King Arthur, Legend of the Sword. That we did... Man from Uncle. Man from Uncle. And now Thank this. you. The, the name well, escaped me for a moment. But it, yeah. It's a pretty big gap, too, because we did, yeah. we did uh, King Arthur and Man from Uncle pretty close together, I think. I think it was... Like episode five and five episode and eight, and something some, like that. Because, so, yeah, uh, King Arthur, Legend of the Sword was our first one that neither of us had seen. Mm-hmm. And then Man from Uncle was our first guest episode with Mikey. Yeah. I mean, I need to go back and watch that movie. I think Allie would really, really enjoy it. Yeah. I remember, like, when Mikey brought it to the table, neither of us really knew exactly yeah, what it was. Like, well, I don't even know what this is. Yeah. And so we were like, <laughs> okay, I guess. And I'm then, pretty sure we talked about that at the beginning of the yeah. episode, too. We're like, when you when you show us this, I had no, I had no clue what, you were, which, what we were about to watch. But yeah. it was a good movie. I really enjoyed it. Well, and that, that's the thing is, uh, before you get into your, uh, yeah, your, go ahead. your little thing, I... I, I really haven't been disappointed with the Guy Ritchie film that I've seen. Yeah. Like, just because they're, they're fun. Yeah, he has a very distinct filmmaking style. Yeah. And there's a lot of things about it that I really like. And I mean, that's one thing about... Uh, say what you will about the Disney live-action remakes. You mm-hmm. know, like whether you think they should be doing them or whatever. But I, the Aladdin one is directed by Guy Ritchie. That is one of the ones that I think makes it its own the most out of all yeah. of them. Like that, it's not just yeah. a... A carbon copy, like that was yeah. my main problem with the Lion King. Is it looked great, but it was just it didn't do anything original or anything yeah. like yeah. But anyway, yeah. For those of you who haven't seen this movie, it has been quite a while, but it's it's a good movie. Um, here is a quick little rundown for you. After finally catching serial killer and occult sorcerer Lord Blackwood, legendary sleuth Sherlock Holmes and his assistant Doctor Watson. I should say partner. Yeah. <laughs> Can close yet another successful case. But when Blackwood mysteriously returns from the grave and resumes his killing spree, Holmes must take up the hunt once again. Contending with his partner's new fiance and the dim-witted head of Scotland Yard, the dauntless detective must unravel the clues that will lead him into a twisted web of murder, deceit, and black magic. And the deadly embrace of the temptress Irene Adler. Mm. I mean, it's funny. It does It does say partner later in that. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's for... I, I know so a lot of times when you write, you want to, like, vary your, your words. Yeah. words. Mm. If you're saying, like, the same thing over and over and over again, it can yeah. be kind of annoying. But Watson is definitely his partner. Oh, yeah. Not just his assistant. Yeah, he's not the sidekick. You know? That's actually... Yeah. 
like I'd say that's one of the most important parts about this whole movie is is their relationship. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, they are, you know, I think we've talked about a few movies that have this like found family, found, you know, mm-hmm. uh, kinship type of thing, but uh Sherlock and Holmes is like they are like brothers. You mean Sherlock and Watson? Uh, I said yeah. Sherlock and Holmes. Sure, Sherlock and Holmes. <laughs> yeah. Sherlock and Watson. Yes. Um they really do have that found kinship together. Yeah. Uh, if 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 we were Holmes and Watson, which who would be who? Uh, I feel like I'd be uh, Watson. Just just saying. I feel like you come to conclusions and stuff way more than like like I'd be the one who's like in the scene where you know Holmes is trying to, to pick, pick the lock, lock. I'd be the one who breaks the door, and you'd be the one who is trying to figure out how to get in. Yeah, like, yeah. So coming from that standpoint, now see the interesting thing is that if I had to see now, I'm thinking about this with me and Remy. Oh yeah. Um. <laughs> And I'm not sure, yeah. because I think in a lot of ways it could be the same, but in a lot of ways it could also be flipped, where I could be Watson, and he could be Holmes, and I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, they're just this classic duo, you know? Like, oh, yeah. I feel like anybody who's anybody knows at least the names, Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson, you yeah. know? And it's, and like, it's been around forever, and it's sparked like so many things that are inspired by it, or... or Built around like, I mean, the same sort of structure. Yeah, you you even get things like like Star Trek: The Next Generation. Mm-hmm. Like there is a bad guy in it, it, it that is Moriarty. Like, oh, yeah, well, okay. be, because they have their uh, their uh, hollow room, you know, their, mm-hmm. uh, and the holodeck, and uh, the Moriarty goes like I can't remember. I've seen it. I haven't seen it in a long time. But he goes like the holodeck goes rogue or whatever, and like malfunctions, yeah. and the Moriarty goes evil and starts like freaking out the ship and uh data becomes kind of the sherlock holmes and is like seeing yeah. clips doesn't he actually wear like the hat and yeah he, he does the, he, has, he has the pipe yeah <laughs> yeah and he even oh, says man. i can't remember is it to it's either to jordy or someone else but he it might be to Riker, but he goes like elementary my dear watson <laughs> which they didn't say in this movie no they criminal didn't. they should he should have well, that was one thing that I read in the trivia that Guy Guy Ritchie said he didn't want a lot of the classic, you know, he didn't want the deer, uh, the deerstalker hat, you know, the yeah. two brimmed uh, thing that we all recognize as Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, and he didn't want the elementary, my dear Watson. Or it, it, it's a very different take yeah. on these two characters, but at the same time, like at least Sherlock himself feels very different. Mm-hmm. Um, being played by Robert Downey Jr., yeah, um, who, in my opinion, does a fantastic job. Oh yeah, and this was like right on the cusp of Iron Man becoming popular because this came out two thousand nine, a year after Iron Man came out. I forget it came out two thousand eight. Yeah, jeez. Yeah, Iron Man was two thousand eight, and this was two thousand nine. So yeah, yeah. So he but, was on the cusp of his fame blown back up. Yeah. While while it is like a different take. I think it still remains pretty true to at least what I know. I'm in no way like yeah. a Sherlock Holmes aficionado, but like <laughs> from what I know about the character, like classically, yeah, it stays pretty true to that in a lot of ways. Yeah, I agree because I mean that's one thing is I've read a couple of the books when I was younger, mm-hmm. and Sherlock Holmes is a very quirky character, very yeah. just kind of unique personality, and I think some of the older films they didn't really uh, they got his like intelligence and things like that, but they yeah. didn't really get a lot of his weirdness like because he's a weird dude <laughs> yeah and, and that kind of comes through in this movie and and like there's a lot of nuance in in rdj's performance mm-hmm. because it's not just like 
oh, I, like, don't explain what I'm thinking about, or, like, like I, I'm kind of thinking of the, the Brendleton Crinkle Snack uh, oh, yeah. uh, Holmes, where it's just kind of like he's playing the game, like, a thousand steps ahead of everyone else and, like, has it all figured out. Well, and, and see, he really, uh, from what I've seen, I haven't seen a lot of the uh, Benedict Cumberbatch Sherlock, yeah. uh, but he really does it in a way where, like, I, I was talking with you about how, like, Sherlock, I think, is a definitely... Uh, Autistic coded character, uh, yeah, I, you, I think you, that's it's fair to say. Yeah, and uh, I think Benedict Cumberbatch kind of plays into that a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But whether like I think uh, Downey Jr. did a really good job at doing a similar thing with that, and n- neither of them I think do it in a way that's like offensive or anything like that. It's just they're obviously like, oh, that yeah. would make sense. You know, and in this particular context. Just to be fair, like, we have some experience with stuff like that, yeah. but we're in no way, like, experts. No. Please take everything we say with a grain of yeah, salt. Yeah, it's just coming from our... <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, it, yeah. It's it's also like how, like, it's just nice to see, you know, like, they don't explicitly say it, but mm. it's nice to see that there are characters out there that have this that uh, autistic people could look at and be like, oh, wow, I relate a lot to that kind of stuff. You know, yeah. like... Sherlock not really knowing how to deal with his brother pretty much leaving and uh, yeah know. I mean that was one thing I pointed out to you a couple times is like the, the biggest like obviously he's trying to catch Lord Blackwood mm-hmm. and stop the murders and like solve the the whole puzzle and the whole mystery and then crack the case and all that but like really what's actually going on if you pay attention is is actually it's not a, as much about that. It's more that he's grappling with the fact that he's losing Watson. Mm-hmm. At least he feels like he is. Because Watson is getting married to... Well, Mary. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he he just... He interprets that as Watson is going away. I don't get to have this person that I hang out with all... The person I live with. Mm-hmm. Like the person that I spend almost all my time with. My Really my only friend. Uh, like you said, his brother pretty much. Yeah. As, as much as we can get to. I know he has family, but I don't... Not if there's much. Well, he does have an actual brother. He yeah. has Mycroft, but... Uh, yeah. We meet him in the second movie. Yeah. He's kind of also a weird fellow. Yeah. <laughs> but, again, like, it's he's losing his Watson. Or, he is losing Watson. Yeah. That'd be like me losing you. Yeah. Well, I, and, that'd, that'd suck. And I'd be really, I'd be really torn up about there's that. There's some people out there who, you know, like, it's hard for them to, like, as, as we see Sherlock deal with it, it's hard for him to kind of realize, like, and kind of come to grips with that, you know, like... Yeah. There are some people who could just be like, oh, great, have a good time, you know? But, like, even me, like, there are some times where, like, I would have a difficult time being like, oh, are they just leaving because of me? Or, like, you know, it, like, sometimes it's hard to articulate, you know, like, your feelings. And so you act out. And I feel like Sherlock acted out a few times because of oh, that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. There, I mean, there's the, the gypsy lady that yeah. he had. A, he, he, like, pretty much paid her to give... Watson a a terrible fortune about his his future with Mary and <laughs> all the warts and she'll grow a beard and <laughs> <laughs> the doilies the doilies <laughs> I I love also seeing in scenes like that where at first she says Mary's name without him having mentioned it they're just walking past yeah um and then Watson's like hold on all right I'll I'll hear you out yeah. and she starts I'll going and he's like. He's furrowing his brow, like he's listening, he's paying attention to what, what she's saying. And then she says something about the, the lace doilies. And he says, lace. And then uh, Holmes behind her on the other side says, doilies. 
movies. And then that's when he starts to like the gear start moving. He's like, oh, hold on. Yeah. <laughs> but seeing them sort of like figure things out like that and and him catching on to like Holmes' antics is yeah. it's pretty fun to watch. You know, I, I also live on the other side of it too, uh, where Holmes is trying to drill into him like, hey man, I'm going to get married. I'm leaving. Uh, but like, he's trying to reassure me. He's like, he's like, yeah, we're not going to be crime partners anymore but that doesn't mean i'm leaving you crime know, like, partners yeah yeah <laughs> justice partners yeah 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 solving crimes and solving <laughs> crimes yeah yeah we're not going to be partners in this business uh and he's like that's happens you know he's trying to tell Holmes that he's like that's life all this stuff but you yeah. can see in watson's eyes a lot of the times where he kind of is like he loves this work he likes doing this oh absolutely with Holmes. like yeah. that time where he's like i had dinner with mary and her parents and yeah. he, and it's, it was like right after the gypsy thing i think and uh, Holmes is like, okay, All right. you, you, you go, do your thing. And then he, like, turns away and he kind of stands there for a minute and Watson, like, stops and he's just like... Ah. Yeah, well, Watson <laughs> turns and looks at him and then you see the, uh, the aforementioned scene that I was talking about where Holmes is trying to pick the lock and then and then you see someone kick down the door and it's Watson. Yeah. And then you see Watson he's like, I have ten minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then they get into a big fight and <laughs> destroy a boat. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <man. laughs> There's so much to love about this movie. I'm so glad we watched it. It's been a long time yeah. since I've seen it, and I've seen it several times. But like, discombobulate. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> and that's, all the little like, like quirky things that happen. It's such there. a stylistic film, which I mean makes sense for Guy yeah. Ritchie. Uh, but like, and and I mean the music that like there's yeah. so much that like wraps it up together. I mean, we could talk about Hans Zimmer for days. As we, we have, know. yeah, we have, <laughs> we've done that, and we'll do it again. <laughs> I can guarantee but that it, much. It's just a unique take, and it really, like, it really adds to that quirkiness of Holmes. Like yeah. the, uh, like I was talking to you about the the string. Instrument I think it's that, a harpsichord. Yeah, I could be wrong. It's, but it, I think it's a harpsichord. It's doing a lot of the little notes, and like ding 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 ding. ding, ding. <laughs> well, and even when he's like figuring things out, sometimes he does like just the ding. You know, like it, like you get into Holmes' head yeah. through the music, you know, and it, and there's there's even other moments that are used really effectively. Like, this is jumping ahead of quite a bit, but mm-hmm. there's a scene where an explosion is triggered, and uh, our three main people are, like, in the middle of it, and, like, it goes quiet. It sort of, like, fades pretty quickly into, yeah. into silence. But then there's, like, this... That, that kind of, like, comes over the top, and, like, it's, it's very, like, sad, but also, like, very striking. Mm-hmm. And, like, you're watching them try to run away from the explosions, and it's all in the, you know... The, the guy Richie slow mo, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like they're they're all trying to escape, and it's like it's it's just a really effective scene. That's yeah. That's one thing I always love to see in movies is effective use of silence. Yes, because uh, the absence of sound can be a lot of times more impactful than the 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 sound. Like like for example, just just to kind of you know show my point, uh, jump scares. Oh yeah, before the jump scare. Silence. Yeah. And it's just that anticipation. Everybody's just like, what's going to happen? It's too quiet. It's too still. Something bad's about to happen. Yeah. And then it's just like, oh, boom. Yeah. Jump scare. I, I mean, the the, the the absence of silence can really be effective. And I think, yeah. like, when you use it, like, because there could be options where, like, it seems awkward or something mm-hmm. like that. But when you use it in an effective way, it can be really powerful. I mean, I, I, I told myself I don't want to talk about Star Wars in every episode. <laughs> But I, every other is all right. I'm granting you that. But the the scene in the Last Jedi where the Star Destroyer, uh, where the the, the ship goes the through, maneuver. yeah, the hold on maneuver and that that silence, that like I oh, know yeah. 
I know you have some issues with that movie, but you've always talked about how that scene in it, particular is that I I will stand by the fact that like while the the sequel trilogy may have done a lot of things wrong, one of the things they absolutely did right was the visuals. Hmm. Those those movies are very incredibly well made on the visual standpoint, and like there are scenes well, in every I, yeah. single one of those three that I think are beautiful, and that's probably the top of that list. It's just the. And you just see all the light going through yeah. everything, and it's just like... Well, and that, like I said, that absence of sound. Like, what's yeah. funny is when that movie was out, there were a few theaters that had to put notices on, like, people who were... Go- like, theaters that people were going to see that movie in. Like, yeah. no, the sound is not cutting out. This is how it's supposed to be. Huh. Yeah, because <laughs> there were a lot of people who were like, where'd the sound go? Where the-? Yeah, as like, soon as it happens, everybody's just like, what the heck, where'd the sound? Like, yeah. in the middle of the theater? Yeah. That would be annoying. Yeah. That would bother me. <laughs> I'd be like, shut up. But yeah, it, it, when done right, it is very effective. Yeah. And I think this movie did a really good job at uh, at that, especially in that scene. Because that I we were discussing our notes a little bit, and I said that that scene was very tense. Yeah. But not just the explosion, but before that too, the slaughterhouse, you know, like uh, Irene the, almost getting cut the, in half. The pig butcher yeah. scene with the fire and the yeah. the giant bandsaw that cuts him in half. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, it was a it, very intense scene and it, it worked really well. Yeah. This movie, I, okay, this the, this is going to be, a, it's, I'm gonna, it's about this movie, but it's about Guy Ritchie movies in general. Yeah. Also, uh, I just love the way that he builds, like, plot lines. Yeah. Like, uh, it's just almost exactly the same as with King Arthur Legend of the Sword. We start with something where, like, er- things are in motion. We're just, like, coming into the middle of it. Actually, towards the end of it. And it's just like, okay, what's going on? We're watching these people run this way. We're watching this one guy run down over here through the sewers. And, like, they're sneaking around. And then they, they take out some guys. And that's when we first get to see his sort of, like... I, I'm gonna call it like ultra instinct mode, where he, <laughs> where he uh, plans out the entire fight from like little details of yeah. the guy, where he's like, oh, he's crooking his head a certain way. Maybe he has bad hearing in that ear. I'll target the other one. And then he's like, all right, he's limping a little bit. I'll target his knee. And so like he goes through all of that, and then he methodically does that exact thing, mm-hmm. takes a guy out, and so. But then they're moving through it, and then they interrupt the ceremony mm-hmm. with Blackwood. Yeah, and we see that he's going. He's about to kill uh, a young woman uh, in, in cold blood. He's about in, to murder in, her. Like, ritual sacrifice yeah. or whatever. Or like, I think so. She's like yeah. on a table and there's like... One, she's like writhing in pain or something. They've yeah. all got the robes and all that stuff. And so Holmes shows up. Watson shows up right after and actually helps him like dispatch one of the guys who almost caught him. I, um, I liked that exchange a lot where uh, Watson shows up and says... Uh, did you bring your revolver? And he's like, oh, I knew I forgot something. I thought I left the, st- <laughs> I thought I left the stove on. And he's like, you did. And he goes, huh. Because <laughs> at this point, they still live together. Yeah. Um, and then also the, the little thing where he's like, I think that's quite enough. You are a doctor after all. And he looks down at the guy he's like choking out. And he's like, yeah, I think you're right. And then they put him down. And then they interrupt the ceremony. They stop them all. Everybody like runs away. Well, and that was another except- cool, it's not a, uh, like, Absence of silence, but the the ringing of the ears with, oh, the, with yeah. the gunshot. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's when like one of the other bad guys comes out and shoots at them. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's something again, like it's it's something that a lot of movies kind of ignore. Well, we we talked about it a little are. bit with uh, James Bond with that mm-hmm. explosion scene where for a little bit he you just heard the uh, muffled noise and the ringing yeah. and yeah, and you got a little bit of that here with that because. Like you were saying when we were watching, guns are loud. <laughs> oh, they're very loud. Yeah. 
<laughs> so yeah, if you if you go into a, an enclosed area with without hear, hearing protection with a firearm, like you're not gonna be hearing anything for a couple of days. <laughs> yeah, and I, I don't know if we talked about it in our Die Hard episode, but Bruce Willis, while he was filming that, uh, when he's underneath the I, table, and I'm pretty sh- sure we did. Uh, they. Uh, for some reason, there's usually, like, uh, precautions and stuff for yeah. when they're filming to where it's not a full, like... It's a uh, blank that's, like, lower-powered or, yeah, or something, something like, like that. that. But I think it was a full blank, you know, and so he had it, like, right next to his ear, and boom, 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 and he got partially deaf in that, that yeah. ear, so... Permanent hearing damage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it can Guns be... Guns are noisy. Yes, they can. Yes, they are. And as we see shortly thereafter, Holmes is like, I'm working on a device to muffle the sound of a gunshot. And then Watson's like, it's not working. <laughs> but yeah, they interrupt the ceremony. They catch Blackwood. There's also the the really uh, the, the really interesting scene where um, Watson goes to rush him. Oh, yeah. And Blackwood turns around with his hands together. And, and Holmes is like, no, stop. And there's a, a very, very thin piece of glass. Oh, that was one of my favorite. Like, yeah. It's it's like maybe two feet long, and it's pointed directly at Watson's face. Yeah, if that was one of If he'd gone any my... further, he would have stabbed himself. That was one of my favorite lines. Like, because uh, uh, once Holmes stopped Watson, mm-hmm. that's when the camera shifted to where you could see yeah. the glass. And that's when, you know, uh, Watson sees it, and he goes... How did you see that? And Holmes just says nonchalantly, because I was looking for it, and breaks it. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know if he was necessarily looking for that exactly, but yeah. he was looking for something. Yeah. So. And, and that, that also, I... he's always looking for something. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Even to his detriment sometimes. <laughs> yeah. That's one of the things that kind of gets me. Like, there, there's a lot of things I see in, in Holmes that, like, I kind of relate to. But one of the things I notice a lot is um, I can really often detect really subtle things that it seems like most other people don't. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I, th- I don't sleep particularly uh, deeply, and I think that's part of the reason is I'm, like, constantly sort of listening for things, and yeah. if, like, any of the cats do anything outside in the, in the house, like, I'll wake up and be like, what are they doing now? Yeah. So, like, if someone broke into our house, I'd definitely be like, what? But <laughs> also, like, little things like when I'm driving, I'm constantly aware of, like, where all four of my tires are, and there's, like, we were driving home together in the middle of the night a couple of weeks ago where it was, like, really slick outside. And um, I kept, like, like turning off the music and, like, listening and, like, like yeah, getting rid of everything that was distracting me because I was like, I can feel the back tires, like, wiggling and vibrating in a way that makes me feel like they're not... They're, they're not with, like, they don't have traction. Right. And I was like, that's really concerning me. Yeah. And then afterwards, I was like, did you guys feel that? And you're like, I felt it a little bit. And I was like, it was... I, I was, that was probably the most stressed I've been in a long time because yeah. I was like, I'm worried we're about to like spin out. <laughs> right. So. Well, and who knows, you know, like it, it's one of those things where like, uh, if you weren't paying attention to that, it's possible yeah. we could have, you know, like, yeah. But. And like, there's the scene where he's in the, it's, it's right after he offends Mary. Oh yeah. <laughs> and they walk out of the restaurant where he's sitting there and like. All uh, it starts with. There's a ton of sound, and he's hearing all of it. That's before. Uh, yeah, the, the, before they get there. Yeah, and then it kind of fades away when Watson shows up. Yeah, and then they do the whole thing. But then at the end, all the sound sort of comes back in as he's sitting alone. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I, I feel like that a lot, where I just like can't tune out the environment. I'm just like, Ugh. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, with all his quirkiness, Sherlock is kind of, is a pretty relatable character. Mm-hmm. Like he has a lot of things that. You're like, oh yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, 
And it's just really, it's really cool how they show his intelligence in this film. Like, like you were talking about the, uh, the ultra instinct, I guess is what <laughs> you, you, you can call it. Ultra instinct mode. But, but like, I think one of the most iconic scenes from this movie is that uh, uh, boxing match. Discombobulate. Yeah, where he's, you know, they're fighting, and then the guy spits on him. He's like, okay, I guess I'll have to take him out. And he goes through the entire thing about. Like how many broken ribs he has, how many like how many weeks it'll take for him to uh, recover, how many months it'll take for him to recover emotionally. Or yeah. you know. <laughs> <laughs> and my favorite part about that scene is actually something I didn't pick up on until this time we watched it. But he says at the very start of like when he when he starts going through this in his brain, he's like, "This must not register on an emotional level." Yeah. And then at the end, he says, "Ability to spit on the back of someone's head, neutralized." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. It, it's really interesting to see him going through these calculations in his head through the, this unique way of storytelling. Yeah. Like, I mean, I really liked how every time he was, like, deducting something on a crime scene or whatever, like, you would see these, like, flashbacks or whatever. But it, it it's almost as if it, they may not have necessarily happened exactly like that, but that's how Holmes is seeing it. It's almost like the psych thing. Yeah, kind of. It's like it highlights the the missing pen that was in this, this yeah. indent in the carpet, and like he looks over here, he's like, "Oh, there's a little stain on the on the table where something was placed." It's well, like, th- that's what I love about Psych in particular is he he's able to uh, have people think that he is a psychic because he is just hyper observant. Yeah, and that's similar to Sherlock. Sherlock is just, he's always looking for something, like you said. And so he's able to see these things. And so from the outside person, they're like, wow, this guy's incredible when it's all there. It's like what we've talked about with Prestige and other films and even this one. Yeah. All the stuff is there. You just have to look for it. Like you see him going, him and Watson going through the, there's two labs, but there's one that they really like go through everything and they like see the frogs, they see the rats, they see like the different chemical compounds. Uh, the leaf that are being put of uh, what what plant no. was it? The, the rhododendron? Yes. yes. I was going to say forsythia. Yeah. And that's it, it's because I for one of my classes I just had to watch a movie where, um, oh my gosh, Watson. Jude Law. Jude Law plays a reporter and he says forsythia a bunch. <laughs> and so that just like. Popped right out, and I was like, "No, that's not it." <laughs> um, but like the rhododendron leaf, which helped yeah. uh, 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 Blackwood induce paralysis, akin to a being dead. Yes, like that's how they they got Watson to declare him dead officially, mm-hmm. so that he could be buried, so he could break out. Like, and and even Holmes points this out because uh, Blackwood, towards the beginning, before he's executed, um, says. My last wish is to talk to Sherlock Holmes. And so Holmes comes to his cell, and uh, he's like, I've been following you for a long time. And, like, it's masterful work. And then Blackwood's like, thank you. And he's like, except I can't help but think about how this last one was very sloppy. <laughs> and he's like, we easily caught you. And and then Blackwood kind of, like, threatens him a little bit. And oh, he does his, like, uh, uh, like Holmes is walking away, and he, like, <laughs> he, like materializes into the shadows. Yeah. I, that, I always... That's one of those things that always gets me. Yeah, is like seeing something come out of the darkness where there was nothing there before. Mm-hmm. Like, oof. and Blackwood does that a few times. <laughs> yeah. Well, and he yeah. also has that like they the, the design choice that they gave him was to give him this like really crooked front tooth. Yeah, it's like a weird little snail tooth. Yeah, and uh, it as a, when I was younger and I was watching this, 
it always freaked me out. I was like, he makes it's, me uncomfortable. <laughs> I, I think, I, I mean, I've said this before, but like it might be reading into it a little bit. But yeah. like, I think the point of it is to be like, he is presented very well. Yeah. Like, he's a very well-dressed man. Like, he's always got his hair done just right. And, like, he's nice and clean-shaven. Like, he's very, very proper. Kind of like the velvet coats. And then when he opens his mouth, you see this flaw. Mm. And it's just, like, it's it's specifically placed in a way where it looks kind of, like, sinister almost. Like, it almost looks like a fang. Yeah. And so it's like, there's something more here hiding beneath the surface that I don't normally see... And it's threatening. Yeah. Well, one thing that I thought was very fascinating is that, you know, throughout this, so many people are afraid of Lord Blackwood. They they freak out when he, quote-unquote, comes back to life. All this stuff. They were afraid of him before. All of his magic. Everyone was like, oh, my gosh, this guy's super powerful sorcerer, dude. Yeah. But at the end, you just find out that he's just a guy. Yeah, he might be pretty smart because he comes up with a lot of this stuff. But also, he had a lot of help. Too. Yeah, he's he's a very intelligent person. Definitely not as smart as as uh, Holmes is. Yeah, and definitely nowhere near as smart as Moriarty is in the second movie. Yeah, that's the point of, of their conflict is the two like minds battling each other. Yeah, but anyway, um, but but like my whole thing is like it's kind of it's fun to see when uh, in movies when you get this crazy scary bad guy and then at the end you find out oh that's just just a dude. Yeah. I think I've talked about this before too, but like when you reveal what's actually going on, that's when it stops being scary. Mm-hmm. That that's exactly what Holmes did. He revealed that Blackwood was a fraud. He isn't actually a black sorcerer. He doesn't know magic. He just has science. Well, that was one of my and favorite. A lot of assets. Like <laughs> that was one of my favorite things about Holmes too. Is throughout the whole thing, he always was scoffing at the magic stuff. He was like, "Okay, yeah, sure, magic, whatever." Like he never believed it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, and I love just how, like, like he was like this with a lot of things, but, like, how uh, nonchalant he was, like, when uh, they were going to B- Blackwood's grave, and mm-hmm. you saw broken open and everything, and, you know, that's another thing. You saw him licking the sandstone and had the adhesive that, you know, they broke it and then put it back together so he could break out easy. Yeah. Um, but one of the things I loved is he was just so, he was joking. He, he. Yeah, uh, everyone was like, "Oh my gosh, Blackwood's alive!" And he just said, uh, "And on the third day, you know." Like, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, so like he never was that intimidated by all the whole sorcerer black magic thing. Yeah, and it really at the very end when Blackwood was being dragged to his death, Holmes was just going on this monologue about like, "See, this is where you went wrong. This is where you went wrong. This is how I know you're not a magician." This is like, <laughs> yeah, like that. That's one of the 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 like sort of follies of of uh sherlock is that he he really enjoys this yeah and so towards the end just like how the the bad guy wants to reveal his plan he's like this is how i uh, fooled you all and and got away with it if it wasn't for you meddling kids yeah um sherlock does the opposite where he's like i'm now going to dismantle your entire plan to show you that i figured it all out and display to everyone how smart i am and so it's like (laughs) i i think that comes back to biting more in the second movie Mm. Uh, because that's kind of the point of the second movie is to sort of show some deeper problems with Sherlock. With Sherlock, but like, it's interesting to see that here as well. Yeah, well, because I think in the second movie he really has a match. You know, like you said, a battle of the brains type of thing. Yeah. Uh, and so Moriarty's able to pick him apart a lot. 
Easy. I mean, yeah. <laughs> One of my favorite scenes in the second movie is when Sherlock activates Ultra Instinct mode, and then halfway through, Moriarty is like, "You think you're the only one who can who can do this?" Yeah. And he's like, "Actually, I'm gonna do this now." And so then Moriarty and Sherlock are both doing this at the same time to each other, yeah. and then anticipating things. And they're and, they're yeah. figuring out like all the moves and like how they fight each other, and like I don't know that, that whole thing is like such a different take on like fighting. Yeah, I no, really, I, really appreciate it. I think we talked about it a little bit, but it's just mm-hmm. like, usually you would expect Watson to be the one who's just beating everyone up. And he does do that. Yeah. Well, and you, you could have had, too, uh, where Holmes was, like, the guy who did, the, like, the, the, what they could have done in, like, that boxing scene is mm-hmm. they could have had the guy spit on the back of his head, then uh, Holmes beat him up, and then afterwards, like, you see someone like, oh, like, crap, how'd you do that? And then he goes into the little monologue, oh, I saw that he had a weak, weak ribs and things like that. But... The way that they do it to have it, you're in Holmes' head. You you yeah. see how he thinks. How he he doesn't just go in punching, thinking that'll work. He mm-hmm. he's like, what is happening around me that it, I can use to my advantage? What is he doing that I can use to my yeah, advantage? Yeah. What weaknesses can I exploit? He, yeah. And what weaknesses can I create to then exploit? Because mm-hmm. like he's like, I crack the jaw. Break the jaw, fully dislocate the jaw, yeah. like break cracked ribs. Like he's he's going through and systematically being like, create a weakness, strengthen that weakness, and then eventually completely dispatch my enemy. Yeah, like he doesn't need to be <laughs> a super brawler type of guy. He just needs exactly. To, he just needs to know how yeah. how to get it done. Strength or size isn't everything, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> it's it's very important in a fight, uh, like on a surface level. But once you learn more technique, that can make up for size. And that's what Sherlock Holmes' style of fighting shows us. It's like he exploits all of these different small details to really win a fight before it even starts. Yeah. And it, it, it's it's just like a true Guy Ritchie fashion. It's such a stylized way of doing it that just really, it really piques your interest and makes you like, like ooh, that's, that's really cool. Yeah. Like I said, I think one of the most famous scenes is that boxing match. Mm-hmm. Because of just how unique it is. Like I said, discombobulate. <laughs> yeah. That's become like a meme. <laughs> right, yeah. And so it, it's just a very fascinating take. And I always love, like, uh, I think I've mentioned this a couple times before about how I uh, will stand by reboots and remakes and stuff because, like, I really like seeing different takes and stuff. Like, um, that's why, you know, earlier when I was talking about, like, the Disney live action remakes mm-hmm. is... I like when they do things differently instead of just making it almost exactly how the other one was. That's that was mm-hmm. my issue with The Lion King is it was a gorgeous film, beautiful. Like John Favreau was able to pretty much create new technology that ended up creating the volume yeah. for uh, The Lion King, which made these hyper realistic animals. But it it didn't do too much in the way of like making it its own film. Uh, yeah, and so that's why I didn't like it. it. It wasn't necessary. Like I don't even think it's that bad of a movie. It's just I didn't like it personally because I'm like you just kind of copied what was there, and that's why I liked Aladdin more, was because they did a lot of their own things. Like Will Smith didn't try to be Robin Williams; he did his own thing. Mm-hmm. Like because that was when Will Smith was cast, everyone was like, "Oh, uh, he's not going to be anything like Robin Williams," and I'm like, "Well, he's not supposed to." Well. Yeah, and, and that's the other thing is that, like, part of the problem is that no one could. There is no way they could have cast anyone in that role 
and had the the greater public be like, that's a good casting. I'm excited to see what happens. Well, yeah. They will always be like, but it won't be Robin Williams. Well, and that's the thing is, <laughs> if he was still alive, they probably would have cast him. They'd Absolutely. Just, just because, like, like in and the Lion... probably would have done it, too. Like, in The Lion King, they cast James Earl Jones as Mufasa again, because yeah. you can't really mess with James Earl Jones, either. What? He's <laughs> thinking about um, uh, Liam Neeson. Oh, yeah. Being Aslan. Yeah. <laughs> he he could have done it, I think. He, he could have done it. <laughs> um, but uh, I think that this film did a really good job at taking, like we've said, the Sherlock Holmes that we know and love and all the stuff that we're familiar with mm-hmm. and making it stylized, adding new things to it, you know, like creating this creepy villain. Because uh, Lord Blackwood wasn't a villain in the books or anything. And so yeah. they made their own villain. They did their own story. They. They, they made it their own, and uh, yeah. it really stands the test of time, I think, when you do that. Yeah, and it, it, like like I was saying, I, I've always loved this movie, and like I, I'm glad we got to go back and watch it, because it's something that's always stood out to me, mm-hmm. but like, um, like you're saying, it's, it's such a unique take. Um, sorry, I think I lost my train of thought. No, but... <laughs> no you're good. I, I mean, I was just going to go into uh, uh, more things about how... Like, you look at um, this and Benedict Cumberpatch. Benedict Cumberpatch, they, yeah. they took the idea and was like, why not put it in the modern age? Which worked pretty well because that has, like, a cult following, you know? And, mm-hmm. uh, I, I, I think I watched, like, the first three episodes. Where I think it's technically the, the, the first, first season. season. Yeah, because it's very short. They're, they're, like, long episodes, but yeah. short seasons. Yeah, because I think there's, like, what, like, four seasons or something, but they're yeah. only, like, ten episodes. Well, and, Regardless. But, and and, and it, it's interesting, too, because, like, they... they that show as well kept the heart of things like Holmes and Watson, but added different things. You know, like Watson, I think they don't go into to, in this movie, but I think he the reason he limps is because he's a war vet. He was, yeah, they and, do mention it. Yeah, and uh, and he got shot or something. And uh, they are the same way in the Sherlock show, uh, from what I know. But he was in Afghanistan, I think. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, just a different war. Uh, yeah, just a different war, different perspective, things like that. You know, yeah. a different types of murders, modern murders with, you know, like different things that happen, you know, serial killers and stuff like back in this day. I mean, there were serial killers like Jack the Ripper and stuff, but they didn't really call it that way. They didn't think about it in the same way that we think about things. I think Jack the Ripper is the one who really, like, I hesitate to say the word, word popularized. <laughs> But in a lot of ways, that's really how it worked. Is like yeah. he got this. I mean, Jack the Ripper. Yeah, that's his name. That he is immortalized as this like almost comic book character. But that's the it, it, the really funny thing is we didn't have a name for it until like the nineteen seventies. Mm-hmm. Like the word serial killer was not a thing yeah. until like fairly recently. Yeah. And so, like, they just looked at crimes differently back in the 18, uh, late 1800s than they do now. And so having that perspective in the Sherlock show is different. And then having this perspective where it is that same time period, the original books take place, but having it in this more... Uh, I keep using the word stylized, but it is. It, tru- yeah. it truly is this more stylized, uh, uh, un- unique adaption of it. And having just kind of... Not, like Guy Ritchie not wanting to do a lot of the, the uh, old classic things because he wanted it to be different. Yeah, I mean that's something he's done every time. From yeah. what I know is is like with King Arthur Legend of the Sword, it's a very different take on that legend. Yeah, with um Man from with Uncle, Man from Uncle, it was like let's sort of 
twist this sort of like spy genre a little bit. Let's well, change things the up. The thing is, is Man from Uncle was a, a 1960s television show. Yeah. And so like he took that and made it different as well. And so he's a, really good at taking things and making it his own. <laughs> yeah. And like at least for us, because yeah. like I can totally understand why people might not necessarily like that. But like at least for us, it, it, it works, works really well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it, it, it does and it it's it's really cool to just see like that's why i like reboots and remakes is because mm-hmm. there aren't gonna like there aren't gonna be ones uh, sorry there are gonna be ones that don't <laughs> work for you yeah like there are gonna be ones that you're like oh man that wasn't as good as the other one like uh one that comes to mind is the uh ben-hur remake uh y- you know what ben-hur is right? i yeah. It it was one of those really old VHS movies that yeah. my parents watched occasionally. It was like a big old box set yeah. sort of thing. But yeah, I've seen it, the really old one. I don't think I ever watched the new it's one. It's a semi-religious film. Oh, it, I mean, it is more religious than you think. It mm-hmm. goes into the like, uh, Return of Christ and stuff like that. But a lot of the things is it's like a chariot race and stuff like that. Kind yeah. of a gladiator type of situation. Uh, very popular film. And there's a new one that came out in like 2016 or something. That uh, well, and also the original Ben Hur was very long. I think yeah, and, uh, it was very it was this big epic, and the new one was like an hour and a half or something like that. <laughs> yeah, and, and it was just it was just one of those that it was made for you know like oh people are gonna come see it because it's called Ben Hur, but uh, yeah. and I do think there are some remakes and stuff like that that are made because of that. Well, and, and even even this one, you know, it's like oh Sherlock Holmes is a character that people know and like. So they're going to come and see it. Yeah. But when it's done in a good, like, when you give the director and the creators and all that stuff, like, an option to be like, do what you want with it. Do, like, make it your own. Make make it, you know, something that is worthwhile. I think the thing, the real takeaway here is that, uh, like when we did Pinocchio mm, recently, yeah. um, there was three? <laughs> yeah. Or was it four? I think it was just three. Yeah, I think it was just three. Three different Pinocchio movies that all came out in 2022 yeah (laughs) and and like the reason we covered the one that we did is because it was the one where it really seemed like the person who made it had a vision Mm -hmm. like they they knew what they wanted to do and they made it for a reason it wasn't just like it was more of they they made it because they wanted to create something interesting and new and not because they wanted to profit off of the name that existed yeah and so uh it was a very, very interesting and unique take, both story-wise and visually. Mm-hmm. Guillermo doing uh, stop motion was like very striking. Well, and it ended up winning best animated picture at the yeah. Oscars. It, it it worked. Yeah, because Guillermo's a genius. <laughs> well, and that's also the funny thing too that I uh, there are some people who rag on uh, remakes and reboots, and that's fine. If you don't like remakes and reboots, that's okay. Yeah. You know, like that's your own opinion, but. Uh, there are some very famous movies out there that people don't realize are remake, like Scarface. Mm-hmm. Scarface is a remake. The one with Al Pacino is. Uh, I think there was one in like the fifties that was. Yeah. Uh, uh, like, but that's the one everyone knows. Well, because- I mean, one thing that a lot of people have expressed like distaste in is sort of like the the superhero uh, mm-hmm. fatigue. Sure. And one of the things where I definitely can understand is more on the DC side of things with, like, Batman in particular. Well, you do it's, have a lot of Batman. It's like there's, yeah. like, six different Batman out there. Yeah. And we're sort of kind of maybe going to get another one of them back 
with the Flash. Well, and that's the thing is we're going to get another one because James Gunn is rebooting the DC universe. Exactly. But it's like, at the same time, I can think about, like, when we did The Batman Mm -hmm. with Robert Pattinson, I was like, that's a good movie. Mm -hmm. That's a really interesting take on this character. He came in and had a vision, had a specific thing he wanted to do. It wasn't Mm -hmm. just for the big bucks. Like, obviously, it, it helped Warner Brothers because... Uh, they were like, oh, yeah, we are getting people in seats because people like Batman. But yeah. it it was also good because it, Matt Reeves had a vision. Yeah. And, and it, as well, uh, the Nolan Batman movies, Dark Knight, mm-hmm. uh, Batman Begins, and Dark Knight Rises. I said those out of order, but that's yeah. okay. Those three are like some of my favorite movies, too. Yeah. I, we need to do those at some point. <laughs> Problem is I want to do all three because they're all really good. Yeah. But, like... That's at least two versions of Batman that are really, really solid and really, really both worth watching for their own reasons. And so it's like, just because, like, I think part of the thing is that it gets greenlit because it's something that the executives know will make money. Yeah. But at the same time, it's just like, it's also because it's a really popular character and people have seen them, they've grown up with them, and they've been like, I really like this character, but what if? And so when a when a director or whoever ends up you know producer whoever makes the thing makes it happen like whenever they have a vision for what they want to do like generally that it ends up with a much better product. Well, yeah, um, the, just uh, kind of button this this discussion a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, James Gunn came out because James Gunn responds to people on Twitter a lot, and yeah. like there's one person who asked him about like, are you worried about superhero fatigue and stuff like that? And he goes, no, because I personally don't think there's necessarily a superhero fatigue. I just think there might be a fatigue in the sense of like people are tired of just movies that come out that are just for big fight scenes and, you know, like uh, just no heart, no story to it, no vision, you know, like we keep saying. He says, if there's a good heart to it, he's not worried. And I think that's a lot with all these remakes. Like this one, I believe that it has heart. Guy Ritchie, you can tell by watching that these people who made this film, like, and we've talked about this a lot with movies that we watch, that they enjoyed making it. They had a good time. Like the way that they, I've seen interviews and things about them talking about it, about Jude Law and Robert Downey Jr., how they found these characters and things like that. They really stuck into it. But then there's other remakes out there that you, you see where they're just like, Oh yeah, you know, like they pretty much just talk about the old one. They're like, Oh, the old one was so good, you know, so that's why I hopped on the chance to do this. Oh, the old one was this, the old one was this. But this they, they just they uh, every interview I've seen of like Robert Downey Jr. was like, I was just excited to play this famous character in my own way. And yeah. I feel like Guy Ritchie did the same thing where he's like, I was excited to play in this world in my way. I, I also really appreciate, to kind of get back towards the movie, Yeah, get off of our tangent, <laughs> you know, tangents are fine. Um, I, I know we've talked about it already a little bit, but like, I really just appreciate how much of a, a duo that Holmes and Watson are. And yeah. Like Jude Law and Robert Downey Jr. playing together as like a team almost. Yeah, it's, and because like, and, and at least from what I've experienced, there are a lot of, uh, media where you see Sherlock Holmes and Watson where Watson's almost the sidekick. Yeah. That's that's kind of the point I was making when yeah. I read the uh the little synopsis thing where it's like it, his what what I call him is is uh, uh the assistant. Yeah. I was like that's not right. Yeah. An assistant is like a subordinate and it has like sort of this connotation to it that I didn't like. Yeah. I was like partner. They they work together and they really show that because there's several scenes like the one I'm thinking about right now is where uh 
uh, Watson's working on moving out some of the last of his stuff. And then Holmes comes and he's like, if you're not going to use this room, do you mind if I do? And he's like, oh, go ahead. And then he brings in a body and drops it on the <laughs> table. And he's like, all right. And so then he starts looking at it. He's like trying to figure out who, who this guy, he's one of the guys who beat them up in the lab. They're going to burn it before they met Dredja <laughs> and broke a boat. <laughs> but they're, they're looking at him. And then like Watson's trying to ignore it. And he's like trying to put his books away and pack everything up and get ready to move out. And then the more Holmes is talking about it, the more he's like, his interest keeps getting peaked, and then Holmes walks away, and Watson comes over and starts like looking at his like his his like eyebrows or his forehead or yeah. like, something around there, and then starts like bouncing ideas off of each other. And then the thing that I love the most is that Watson actually solves two parts of the the like this small puzzle that they're working on. Yeah, I was gonna mention that that I really enjoyed that with how intelligent Sherlock is and how he knows it. He knows he's intelligent. He a few times during this movie asked Watson what his opinion was and how like like he bounced things off of Watson and like valued Watson's opinion even if he didn't quite say it yeah like exactly like that's why I say that this movie is more about his relationship with Watson than it is about solving the case mm -hmm. that Blackwood's case is just the thing that is highlighting the fact that Watson's leaving because it's happening at the same time and Watson keeps being like, oh, I've got to go do my things with Mary. I've got to go meet her parents. Like, I've got, got to find a ring. Like, this, that, and the other. And it's like, he's got to do this stuff. And Holmes is like, yeah, but we used to go do this together. Like, we used to go solve all these cases together. Yeah. And so he, he just doesn't know how to express the fact that he's sad. Well, and I think Watson's leaving. I think you mentioned earlier too that uh, Watson is like the only guy who understands Holmes, mm -hmm. and I think Holmes is afraid about that because he's like, I feel like he recognizes, like I said, he knows how smart he is, and I feel like he necessarily, like in his head, he's like, I could probably do this by myself, but I don't want to. And I think, and I think there is a part of it also that he he does feel like he needs yeah. Watson, um, because like towards the beginning of the movie when he is trying to invent a suppressor yeah. and doing a bad job. Um, like, the guy that Watson was talking to, I'm not sure who that was, but he, like, comes out in, like, a huff, and he's like, it's it's uncivilized for a man like that to be doing that in his room. And it's like, they're, they're like, house lady. I don't know exactly what you'd call her, but, like, she's... The like, she's housekeeper. A, yeah, she's like, I won't go in there while he's got a gun. And, and he's like, you won't go in there because I will. And it's like, you just see what, what Watson does for Holmes is, like, he sort of brings him back down to earth, like so. Well, yeah, and he like, protects him. him. Yeah, he protects it. Like there, there probably be a lot. Like if home, if Watson wasn't there, Holmes probably would have been like arrested. Like guy, that guy would have called the police or something. And like they did get they, arrested. Yeah, true. <laughs> they the did movie. get arrested. Yeah, they did get arrested. <laughs> and I, I do love the you know the like slights that they give each other. You know, like uh, how. Uh, Mary bailed out uh, Watson. Yeah, and uh, they leave, and they just—they're like, "Oh, nope, not you." And uh, how, like, you know, Holmes no, or Watson knows that Holmes is gonna be okay. Like, he, yeah. he just does it as kind of a joke, and like the way that they rib each other and things like that. It's they really—you really see how much Watson cares about Holmes. Yeah, they really care about each other, and and that's as a man, I understand a lot of like what's going on behind the scenes here. Yeah. Because there's a number of people, uh, like, our relationship with each other, the two of us, but also, like, as a greater the nerd herd, like, a yeah. friend group, I think it's 
pretty rare that you get stuff like that where we tell each other we love each other all the time and mm-hmm. like we we hug each other all the time and yeah. like we just we have that level of like camaraderie that you don't see as often out in the world. Yeah, you you mentioned a little bit in our James Bond episode about how you really enjoyed the Felix and yeah. James relationship in that, and I, I really like this one too because it was a little bit more. Um, I don't know, muted is the right word, but they had a, just a different relationship compared to it's, like it's all like subliminal. Yeah, it was subtle, subtler. Like I mean, they have that one scene where uh, Holmes is telling Watson that he's glad he's alive, mm-hmm. and. Uh, and they kind of have this moment where they both clear their throats together, like <clears throat> yeah, they both kind of look at each other and then like <clears throat> just sit yeah. to our, take a second. And the like the way I read that, and I think probably the way you read it as well, is like that's their way of pretty much saying love you, buddy. Yeah, like glad you're alive. Yeah, like, just judging Holmes by a character as a character, it's probably hard for him to express feelings like that anyway. I mean, both sides. Yeah, because. Holmes is a very odd fellow. Yeah. As we described, there might be some other stuff going on in his brain. But with Watson, it's like he is a he's a tough military man. Like he's not supposed to show that kind of emotion. Like he's he's not supposed to be that kind of guy. Yeah. And so like with the two of them, they just they're both conditioned by different things and in different ways to not show that side of themselves. And that's the thing that I think more men need to be okay with sharing. Yeah, exactly. And need to be okay with showing. Well, and you you, you see a few times when they show this care for... Like when uh, he he thinks that Holmes is ran over by the boat, but then Holmes comes up in the little track and and then the the, wheel is coming towards Holmes. Without even thinking, Watson goes and grabs him. Yeah, and I was thinking about the scene. I was like, what is that going to accomplish? Nothing. Nothing. I, that's if, the thing. If it hits them, it hits both of them and they both die. That's like, the thing is he just wanted to be with his brother. You know, yeah. like he did, like he and, wanted to make sure he was there. And another thing where we get to see this, uh, which I think might, it, again, it's very subtle, but like after they are in the explosion and a warrant is put out for Holmes' arrest, Watson is in the hospital because he was just in a giant explosion. Like he's injured. And... Uh, Holmes puts on a disguise to pretend to be a doctor so that he can check on his friend yep. to make sure he's okay. And then he realizes, he's like, I can't do anything to help him here. And also, Mary's on to me. <laughs> um, which I thought I thought that was also really good because, like, Mary isn't in the movie a ton, but she's also, like, a lot smarter than she sort of comes off as. Yeah, I actually... That's that's true of both Mary and Irene. We see Irene a lot more. Yeah. But like that's why I think those two are the the like partners for these other two. Yeah. Because in a lot of ways they complement them. Like uh, Watson can handle Holmes and like sort of temper him, but at the same time Irene confounds Holmes because he can't figure her out and like she she's on an equal level like. Well, and she's pretty smart too. And exactly. And I love that scene where he's following her, and he, he sees the guy. Uh, he sees the guys trying to jump her, mm-hmm. and she takes him out, and uh, and he he says something like, uh, "That's the Irene I know." Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> and, like he knows she's always got something up her sleeve. She's always planning something because she's a, a thief, I think. Yeah. She's just a, a. They call her a criminal a couple times, but I think she just steals stuff. Yeah, probably a, a, a cat burglar or something. But like. That's that's why she is the the woman that he's interested in is because like uh, uh, the, uh, the average woman on the street he just 
they wouldn't get him and yeah. he wouldn't get them and like it wouldn't last very long but she like intrigues him you know well that's the thing that we <laughs> see with mary is mary knows how much no, even even though watson doesn't explicitly say it she knows how much that relationship means to him that she yeah. like with the whole doctor scene where she's like you know talking with him and and uh she has that smile on her face and stuff like that and even later when Watson shows back up and is like, oh, yeah, Mary told me I had a terrible doctor. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. like but, she, she, she's able to see that, like, this is something that means uh, a lot to him and that she doesn't want to take that away. Like, she even expresses interest in reading the stories that he wrote, the, yeah. the, the journals of their, mm-hmm. of their adventures. And, uh, and that's another thing that shows me that Watson cares a lot more than I think maybe he thinks he does. Is he has all those that big box of journals of their adventure? Yeah. Well, for Watson, it's it's complicated because like he has expectations of him, and at the same time, like as much as he he cares for Holmes, he understands that like at some point Holmes needs to like be more self reliant. Like yeah. he needs to be able to to move on and grow and change. And then Watson's like, I need to be able to do that as well. So I'm making this decision for me. Mm-hmm. But it also hopefully will be in a little bit of a way for Holmes to figure himself out a bit more. Yeah, exactly. And so, like, the unfortunate truth is that at some point everything has to come to an end. Mm-hmm. Like, this podcast will someday end. And I don't like thinking about that because <laughs> I really enjoy doing this. Yeah. But, like, if there is a beginning, there will be an end. Mm-hmm. There, this, everything has to finish at some point. And so that, I mean, I think I've talked about this a little bit before, but like, I'm really bad at goodbyes. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I just, I, I always try to sort of fool myself. I'm like, ah, oh, I, even though like, I've only known this person for like, it was while I was up in Alaska where I noticed it a lot, where I was like, okay, I'm leaving for the season. I might never see these people again. Yeah. But I can't say that. Like, I always would say, oh, maybe I'll come visit or, or like, maybe I'll see yeah. you again another day or something like that. And and it just like, but in reality, it's like no, no, I won't. I just need to be able to say like, it was nice knowing you. I hope you have a good life. Yeah. See you later. Like, right. I enjoyed us being able to hang out and work together and and like these couple months we spent together. But like, you're going to a completely other, it's like almost the opposite side of the planet for me. So it's like, well, on a similar note, I don't know if you've ever had like a a, a friend in in school or something that. You like, uh, you did a lot of things with. You did mm-hmm. a lot of things with that friend. You hung out with that friend. You talked to him. You laughed with him. You you did a lot of things. But then for some reason after school you just never talked to again. Yeah. And uh, and like it's just one of those weird things where you like you just look back. You're like, they were an important part of my life, and now I bet I don't even know who they are. You know, like I. The, yeah. And it, it, it's just an interesting thing. Like you said, everything eventually has to come to an end. Yeah. But that mm-hmm. doesn't mean you can't enjoy it while it's there of course yeah and i think that's you know the kind of what i think at least in my uh watching of it i think home or not Holmes watson was trying to push it away a little bit yeah he, he was he was trying to be like no no i have to go do this with mary i have to go do this i have to move on i have to do this yeah and and then like you get that stuff like that look back where he's like but i really like 
to do this with homes. And I yeah. think that's one thing, like, I talked with Mary, is she understands that. Like, yeah, they are moving away together and stuff like that, but she wasn't going to take that away. She wasn't going to get mad, like, oh, you didn't meet my parents and you went off and did this with him? Well, yeah, there was, there was no point where Mary got mad at Watson for doing the thing that he, like, used to always do. And, yeah. like, being there for homes and, like, taking care of homes when he needed it. Like... There was times where she seemed upset at things that were happening, but, like, she never once called him out and was like, no, you need to stop doing this. Well, and, like, when she bailed him out of jail, exactly. I, think she, I think she had a smile on her face. She had a little smirk when she yeah. saw Holmes try to come to, and yeah. then they closed the gate on him. He's like, not you, buddy. And yeah. And she was like, <laughs> you're not my husband. So. <laughs> or soon-to-be husband. Yeah. But, like... I she she recognized that that's an important part of his life and that's yeah. something that she will never uh, get in the way of. Like, and yeah, his, his best friend. Mm-hmm. Like obviously he's going to try to be there for his best friend as much as he can. Like in spite of himself, and and this is a, a very important part of his life. And so it's just like he can't just completely abandon it. Yeah. So exactly. Yeah. So I think it, it's a really cool way of of showing that that like yes there are times where you need to. Uh, I don't know if move on is the right word, but you need to explore different things in your life. You need to do different things. You need to do, especially when you have a partner, mm-hmm. uh, when, when you have a, a spouse or a girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever, uh, doing things with them, like that's another person in your life. That So like, yeah, they're not wanting to, you're not going to have things taken away from you, but like having that other person means that you might have to do different things. You might have to go somewhere else. You might have to, uh, experience new things and sometimes that can be scary and i feel like you know watson he knew this life with Holmes, and so it probably was a little scary going into this new thing and same for Holmes; it was scary that he's going to be without watson but then buddy and and even at the end it's kind of fascinating that they kind of leave on that note where they both are kind of like okay we're gonna do this we're gonna do this uh like you know because Holmes was finished or watson was finishing his packing and he was about to leave, and the inspector guy came, or well, the the charge for the inspector came in, and uh, he was like, "Hey, the inspector needs to see you." And he kind of looked at Watson, and then like, like realized, "Okay, I guess I'm gonna do this on my own." And that's when it went to the uh, credit sequence, and yeah. so it, it's very fascinating. And I think we see a little bit more of that in the sequel of uh, how they're doing with you know things uh, like being separated and stuff like yeah. that. Like, I know, I can't remember a lot of it, but I know that there's something that happens at, uh, before uh, Watson's wedding. Like, something where they, like, both show up and they're both, like, disheveled or something like that. Yes, I do believe so. Yeah. So, like, I but think... yeah, like you said, it's been a while since I've seen it, too. Yeah. <laughs> but, so, it's it, it's cool that they continue this, you know, like, seeing them deal with that yeah. in the next one. Well, and they're they're so close together. It's like there's almost no way that Holmes can do something without somehow getting Watson involved. <laughs> and I think he's he's sneaky enough to where he he'd be like, "Oh no, you're you're here! Oh dang!" Well, I mean, I we guess... see that a bunch of times in this movie where he's like, he he's like, "Oh, you came back! What a surprise! Who could have called that?" Like, what I just love, like when Holmes does that, Watson is just like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah! I got ten minutes. Okay, let's do this." <laughs> but yeah, yeah it. I really, I really enjoy this movie. This is one of those that, like, when you think of Robert Downey Jr., you think of Iron Man. But I think he, he kind of popularized this role a little bit too. You know, mm-hmm. like, like I said, you know, there's Sherlock, which has a very cult following, very, 
lot of fan stuff with you know like nerd culture with Sherlock. Yeah. I think you know like there are a lot of uh, people go to conventions and things dressed as the Benedict Cumberbatch version. But I think this version really made it like oh yeah we like Sherlock Holmes you know because yeah. you know you have the books and everything. But like it's nice that these stories get to live on in these yeah. new. And and that's another thing I like about remakes and reboots is it keeps that story going. And introduces it to new people. Yeah, exactly. And that's kind of what I was uh, getting at with this is there were more people like this was a bit more action heavy than a lot of other Sherlock Holmes stuff. But it wasn't at the expense of the the, like intrigue. Yeah. And the 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 complicated like plots going on. Yeah. The game is afoot. (laughs) Yeah. Um... (laughs) But yeah, it, it it just did a really good job, and I'm excited for the next Guy Ritchie movie we do. <laughs> we'll see. I actually am not super familiar with all of his, yeah. his movies, actually. Yeah. So it might have to be one that I bring to the table or something because there there's a couple of his that are really good. Yeah. But anyway, I I've had a very good time talking about this movie. Me too. And I hope that those of you listening have had a good time listening to us have a good time talking about this movie. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, go watch this movie. Listen to uh, either listen to this episode, then watch the movie, or uh, watch the movie, then listen to the episode. I mean, if you're at this point already, you've listened to the episode. So yeah, I guess maybe we should say at the beginning. <laughs> huh. But would that be the big brain? Move? <laughs> um, but yeah, just as always, thank you. We love you guys. We're uh, at over a thousand listens and plays on our uh, on our podcast, which, which is, is pretty crazy to just, think about. It, it's nuts, you know. I know it's not the most, but like it, it's just we've been doing this for what two years now. Yeah, yeah, technically, <laughs> yeah, around that long. And so uh, it, it's just it, it's just great to know that there are even just a smaller amount of people who like to listen to us. Yeah, so. Um, you can find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, uh, Facebook. Yes. And come take a look at all the things we're working on. Come come uh, see some of our old episodes. Let us know how we're doing. Let mm-hmm. us know some things we might want to take a look into in the future. We just did Avatar The Way of Water, which was a big one for us. Yes. Uh, so come <laughs> listen to that jam-packed episode. Should have been more jam-packed. <laughs> yeah. I wish we had talked about it for another hour or two. Like, jeez. <laughs> If I, if I didn't have to work, I probably would yeah. have. But, <laughs> but yeah. yeah, so, um, I mean, as always, remember to watch what you love and to love what you watch. <laughs>